Yes, good morning, everyone. It is Monday, September 19. The Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio, and a very good morning to you wherever and however you're listening. Ah, what a weekend we've got coming up. And uh, the Swans are in the grand final to play Geelong Sunday afternoon at the MCG. And what a game that is going to be. Then you can flick over to the Golden Rose at some stage during the afternoon and then set up for the second preliminary final later that night. Penrith and the Bunnies again during the finals. Rematch of last year's grand final, of course. And on Friday night, Parramatta have a chance to make their first grand final since 2009. They've got to go to Townsville and beat the North Queensland Cowboys. Best time of the year, Loza. Morning to you, mate. Yep, morning, boys. Um, looking forward to the finals this weekend. The finals on the weekend weren't that great because both teams dominated. The winners, South Sydney and Parramatta, were just way too good for the Sharks and the Raiders. Uh, Parramatta, they played the type of offensive game that we think can trouble the Panthers and the Cowboys. Their offloading ability is second to none. Um, and their forwards were very powerful, and they just steamrolled the Raiders. So well done to Parramatta, through to their prelim final, although it's going to be tough up there in North Queensland. And then at Allianz Stadium on Saturday night, geez, the Sharks-South Sydney game. I don't know what to make of that. There was a few injury concerns for South Sydney, but it was 38-12 to 12 for the Sharks, uh, to the, to the Rabbitohs. But the completion rate from both sides weren't high. The Sharks, they conceded... 30 points in their two finals to bounce straight out of the final series after finishing second in the regular season. Uh, Craig Fitzgibbon was certainly unhappy with their performance, but not happy with the overall year. Um, but uh, South, um, they did it easy on, on Saturday night. They'll have to fine-tune their game. They can't afford as many turnovers as they did the other night. But defensively, they were good. And while ever you've got Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker, Cameron Murray and Damian Cook in your side, you've got plenty of points in you and they will trouble South Sydney if they can control possession. Pup, how's the weekend? Morning, boys. Yeah, very good. Very good. Some great sport. Uh, love the Swannies win. My God, how good. Fairy tale for Buddy. Here we go. Grand final. Oh. Win the flag. And the Gold Coast for two years, you know. It's the plan, I reckon. Well, That's be, the plan. It would be the perfect way to finish, wouldn't it? Geez, they were good. Oh, they, oh, they had our hearts in our mouths yeah. for the last quarter. Oh, my God. And you just knew it was coming, didn't you, Loz? So, that Collingwood side, you've said it all season, they've got some serious character. And even with the Swans up 23 in the last quarter, heading into the last quarter, you just knew that Collingwood were going to make a run at some point. Well, that's what Collingwood have been doing all game, you know. And I think... They won this year. I think there was a stat running around somewhere that they've won you know, 10 games or something under six points. Yet their two finals games this year, they lost by under six points. Um, so you knew that Collingwood could win a tight game and you got a little bit nervous there towards the end when they were coming hard. The Swans led by 36 points there at one stage in the third quarter. And you just thought that, you know, they, they need to play footy, they continue to play football. But they, they looked as though they tightened up and tried to protect the lead. But the Swans, they were good enough in the end to go through to uh, another grand final. It's the fourth in the John Longmire era. Um, and Buddy, who knows, it possibly could be his last game. But I thought every one of the Swans players, they stood up on the weekend. They go through to a grand final. It was a tough game. They're taking on Geelong, who... Did it easy against the Brisbane Lions. They're a quality outfit. Um, a lot of people say that you know they should have won a couple more premierships under Chris Scott, 
They've only won the one, and I think that was in his first season in charge. So they will go into this game as favourites, but the Swannies, you'll never write them off because they are a very tough footy team. Yeah, the market with Tab has Geelong $1.55 and the Swans $2.45. So 10.5 is the line as it stands for the AFL Grand Final on Saturday. And in the NRL preliminary finals this week, Penrith $1.38 against the Bunnies, $3.10 on Saturday. So the line there, 8.5. Penrith pronounced favourites, as you'd expect. And uh, North Queensland $1.70 against the Eels, $2.15. 2.5 the line for that one. So Parramatta into their first preliminary final since 2009 when they made that unbelievable run with Jared Hayne in the incredible form at the back end of that season, but then they fell short against the Melbourne Storm, who eventually lost that grand final or that premiership, of course, due to the salary cap breaches. But uh, the Eels, they've got to do it the hard way by going to Townsville. But Brad Arthur, I mean, what was it, about six, seven weeks ago? The story came out that his management was shopping him around, yep. and here he is on the verge of a grand final. They were good too, Para. They, uh, they played great footy. Yeah, And I think the other thing in the back of their mind will be the fact that if they, do, if they can beat the Cowboys and then they do play the Panthers in the GF, they've beaten them this year. Oh, yeah, I just think if they can... The key for them now is, gonna, is to find a way to be as fresh as they can for this game because that's going to be the advantage of the Cowboys. Yes, they've got home ground advantage, but I think that, that week off, so your players come into this game fresh is massive. So how, how, how Parra can uh, get themselves both physically and mentally right, I think will determine the outcome of this game. Your Raiders just uh, ran out of puff laws. Yeah, they just weren't good enough, Mido. Uh, Parramatta, their powerful game that they play through the middle, it was outstanding. And, you know, you look at Parramatta and the key to them is obviously forwards, but they're Harve, Brown and Moses. And sometimes if you're critical of those two, it's their decision-making and not running the ball enough. But by the style of footy that they play, when they play this offloading game, it makes them run. And that's what's so effective for this Parramatta team. They don't play to structure. They play off the cuff. And it makes them run. And it pushes people up with them in space. Uh, and then then they play off the back of that. So for me, that's the formula I've been crying out for all year. They do it spasmodically, though. Um, they don't do it uh, consistently enough. And they don't challenge themselves enough when they get in tight, pressure situations, as they did in week one of the finals against Penrith. But the other night, in a do-or-die game against the Raiders, they just went for it. I think they ended up having close to 20 offloads for the game, which is huge. Um, And that's the style of footy they've got to go with up there in North Queensland. Because that's the style of footy, if they get through to a grand final, they can beat Penrith. Mm. They're not going to beat Penrith with a completion-based game and doing all these set pieces. They're going to stick to what they know. And even if a few errors come from that, they've got to back themselves that that style of footy is our DNA and that's how we're going to win a game. The other thing about the Eels going up there to Townsville, um, they've never played at the new stadium and they've got a poor record in Townsville itself. They've only won two from the last 14 games up there. And the last time the Cowboys played the Eels this year was in Darwin and they got smashed 35-4. to so if they're ever going to, to win against Parramatta in, a, in an important game, um, this is the game they need to do it in because their record suggests that they struggle up there in those tougher conditions. Yeah, conditions certainly all favouring the Cowboys with the, those stats as well that you mentioned. Loza playing in the heat should absolutely suit 
uh, North Queensland there in Townsville. No excuses for them, that's for sure. Now, the market uh, has Penrith at $1.80 to win the premiership. Souths are $5.50. The Cowboys and Paris $6. So the market's telling you whoever wins the Penrith-Souths game uh, will certainly be favourites, even the Bunnies. The Bunnies finished 7th, remember? 7th heading into the finals. So, of course, the big wild card is Latrell Mitchell. Latrell wasn't there last year. Yeah. Uh, I don't, he wasn't there the year before either, was he? No, he wasn't there the year before, Mido. He was a suspe- uh, hamstring injury, then That's last right. year was suspended. Hmm. So here he is with a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I look, South, they've got the ability in their team to cause an upset. Um, but their completion rate on the weekend, and I, I know, you know, I've just was speaking about Parramatta's style, but Cronulla had plenty of opportunities to put points on South the other night. Um, they just couldn't finish it off. So that my concern with with Penrith uh, with South would be they've got to be able to to start well, um, and they started well the other night through their forwards, and then they sort of went away from that. So they go in and out of games too much South Sydney for me. But when they if they get it together for an eighty minute performance, uh, they will trouble they will trouble um, whoever they play, and they can trouble Penrith. They've seen them this year down in. I think it was Melbourne earlier in the season where their completion rate was horrible, but then they had a 10 or 15-minute period where they controlled the ball, they got field position, and they just stormed home. And that was the game that Latrell kicked that super field goal. Uh, so South have got it in them, but the other thing with South is they've got some injury concerns. I just don't know how fit they'll be. Penrith have freshened up, ready to go, whereas Penrith, you know, they had AJ, uh, Alex Johnson leave the field, uh, Jai Arrow. Um, left the field, uh, Havili uh, left the field. And if all those guys are carrying injuries this, into this game, will they be able to get through it? How damaged are South? But as I said before, when you've got Cam Murray, Damien Cook, Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell in your team, that's a fair start. And they've got the ability there. Now, I'm just having a look. Obviously, I wasn't here on uh, Friday, but I'm looking at the multi. Zugotcha top two, tick. NMO win, tick. Mazu top four, and it's finished fifth, hasn't it? Oh, my God. Yes, finished oh. fifth, bit up. I'll tell you what, uh, how good was Nature Strip? How good was Nature Strip on the weekend? NMO was terrific. There were some other good runs in the shorts as well. I thought Lost and Running uh, was a good run. Well, Lost and Shay. It's now second favourite for the Everest Laws. Se- second favourite, is mm. it? Right, wow. Off the back of that run. Yeah, it was uh, very, very impressive, but... They're going to have to chase Nature Strip down. A wonderful horse. Oh, wonderful sprinter. Incredible horse. And considering it's had the trip, of course, over to um, to the UK as well. I mean, we've seen, you know, Classic Legend, who's been spelled, by the way, after it failed on the weekend. And, and Chautauqua previously, when they've gone over overseas, just been a bit flat initially when they've come back. So Nature Strip, no issues. Into $2.10. $2.10 Jeez. to win the Tab Everest. Oh, my God. Nature Strip. After well, as you know, Mido, anything can happen, but from what Nature Strip has been able to do in its last few starts, it's just been getting more and more impressive. And you're right, coming from the other side of the world after winning the Kingstand Stakes at Royal Ascot, uh, to produce an effort like that first up was pretty special. Um, and I, th- I thought Lost and Running was good finishing third. Overpass finished second, but a lot of people were tipping Overpass to run a mighty race because looking for an opportunity to run in the Everest. So I'm wondering whether Overpass will get picked up by a slot holder. Oh, I think it will, Loz. I think naturally just the attrition. Well, now what, what does Von Ho do with his slot? Mm. Uh, with Classic Legend being spelled. So 
Uh, and there's, what, I think there's still five slots left, isn't there? Or maybe six now with the Classic Legend up for grabs. I'll just have to check that. Well, Classic Legend, sorry, uh, not going in Bonho's slot. Uh, but overpass went 26 into 13 with Tab after running second. Mazu were eight out to 13, I think I saw. And I don't, I don't think it was the worst run at all. A couple of lengths behind. He probably wanted it to finish probably a length closer, but face the breeze. Uh, did, not did his it, grand final, though, either. Not his know. grand final. So third up, not compl- I think that's a bit of an overreaction, that drift. Yeah, younger horse taking on the older horses, the more experienced horses. A good run from him, I thought, as well. Um, finished back in the pack, but again, wouldn't be really screwed down, so he'll improve. Um, and you would never write off the Snowden camp because they've got a history of producing horses on the day. Okay, back page of the Daily Telegraph, a picture of Callum Mills and his partner there. No medal, but will settle for a grand final, and uh, he did well, though, in the count last night. The Swan, Callum Mills, he finished... Seventh with 21 votes. Eight behind the winner, by the way. Patrick Cripps, very late last night. For anyone who stayed up and watched it, the Carlton midfielder, he won the Brownlow medal. He had three votes in the final round in his Carlton side's one-point loss to Collingwood. So Cripps won by one vote. Thrilling count ahead of the 2020 winner, Brisbane's Lockie Neal, in the Brownlow medal last night. Patrick Cripps for Carlton. Uh, also on the back page of the telly box seat, Cleary chip off the old block and uh, Isaiah Yo just uh, pretty much saying there that uh, it's like having another coach, uh, father and son, both coaches really. The way, but that's that's what you want from your halfback pretty much anyway, isn't it, Loz? You want him like an extra coach on the field, really. Well, that's their main role, Mido. Their main role is to be like the coach and, to, and do the coach's instructions out there on the field and be able to deliver what the coach has been wanting from your team throughout the week. Nathan Cleary, like all good halfbacks, understands the game. Uh, he's got a good feel. And sitting in the coach's box with his father uh, in that five weeks that he was out, he would have learned a lot of stuff about the team's performances, but also about his own game and what he can do in certain situations. So, you know, they're just making sure that they do everything correct leading into the final series. Uh, Nathan Cleary was superb in his first game back after a five-week layoff, and you'd expect nothing different from one of our leading players in the game. Everything's coming up, Moses. On the back page of the Sydney Morning Herald, Michael Chemis writing here that, uh, well, he'll pretty much become a millionaire as far as his contract is concerned due to a bonus incentive in there that win a premiership, and he'll get a significant bump up again, pushing him into the seven-figure uh, mark as far as his contract is concerned. It's such a... Delicate balancing act, though, isn't it? These bonus payments, because as soon as obviously they hit, uh, you're probably squeezing someone else out. I know Parramatta have got a few players leaving anyway, but uh, well, Mitchell Moses, he can, he'll be worth every penny if he leads them to to a premiership loss. Well, if you can lead a team to a premiership, you know, you're worth, as you said, you're worth the the amount of money that they're going to offer you. But that's the biggest issue with Mitch Moses at the moment: whether he's able to consistently do it in a big game. Um, they were on the front foot against the Raiders on the weekend and they looked terrific, whereas the week before they were in their shell a little bit and they didn't play anything like the style of footy we've seen and we've come to know from Parramatta this year when they're at their best that can trouble anyone in this competition. So, you know, the next two weeks are going to be massive for that club. We know they've got a huge supporter base. I think their best is good enough to trouble Penrith 
and win, but they've just got to consistently bring that and trust the ability with the ball. And even if they make a few mistakes, just still go after the game and still play their style of football. Don't tighten up. Don't go into their shell. They've got to continually play football and challenge the Cowboys and Penrith in the next two weeks. If, in fact, that's who they play in a grand final. Big story as far as the Swans are concerned this week leading into the grand final is the fitness of Sam Reid, who was uh, there when they won the flag in 2012 and uh, a real favourite there at the club. And the, uh, the headline of the back page, the Herald, highly unlikely Reid injury blow for Swans. So he has an adductor issue uh, and uh, was subbed out of the game there in the one-point victory against Collingwood on Saturday. So he is in huge doubt. And Joel Amati or Hayden McLean are seen as the two to potentially fill that void as the backup Ruckman slash forward uh, playing up forward there with Buddy. But uh, he's been really good for the Swans uh, this year. Hasn't uh, His body's really let him down over the past few years, but has strung some games together this year and has been valuable, uh, to say the least. So that's going to be the big story. How do you feel about the Swans uh, heading into Saturday, Loz? Are you... Are you do you think the market's pretty much spot on? Geelong deserve to be uh, I think they deserve, I did, Yeah, I think they deserve to be favourites, you know. But I actually think, well, I thought before the game, whoever won the Collingwood-Swans game would actually win the comp. Um, I know that Geelong have been playing some really good football and they'll be tough down there. The majority of the crowd will be there to support them. But um, I, I, I don't know. There's something about this Swans side and Collingwood that they just, they, they just go hard. They play for the full 80 minutes, as long as they're not blown away early in the contest, I think they're right in it. I really do. I, I think that's a, a super preparation to have for a grand final if they haven't got too many injuries out of it. I think that's the type of game you need going into a grand final. If you can walk out of that game with no injuries or one injury, uh, but you know there's, there's some doubt about you know, one of the players, but you're hoping he can get up. I just think those tight games, it builds confidence. Um, you look around in the shed, you know whatever situation you're in, you can win from. And that's what Collingwood had going into that game. And I reckon the Swans have built that resilience throughout the year as well. Okay, heroes and villains this Monday morning. So give us a call, 1353 53, text line 0419767272 and the prize, the usual $100 gift card. And also a case of the Saint and Sinner alcoholic kombucha, especially with it heating up, Clarky. Weather Perfect was good on the a weekend. Sunday arvo. Perfect every arvo. Actually got a bottle of rosé yesterday. How'd you go? That's when you know. That's when you know. Did you drink getting... it or look at it? No, I drank it. It's good to hear. <laughs> a couple of beers and then onto the road. That's when you know it's getting hot, though, don't you? Rosé all day. Well, welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. Big morning for heroes and villains. Get your calls in. 13.53.53. Now, already on the text line here. Morning, boys. Loving the show. Hero Nature Strip and J-Mac. Old Faithful does it again. Looking for back-to-back Tab Everests. Villain the Cronulla Sharkies. Didn't play like the side they've been all year. Cheers, boys. Bryce from Warilla sending that one through. Now, we've had a few texts on this. Uh, the Mario Fennick interview with his wife on Channel 7 last night is compulsory viewing, although very moving. Regards, Peter from Canwell. And uh, Buzz coming up after 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, he... Um, uh, texted me last night saying how moving it was. In fact, very, very emotional. Uh, I was trying to find it on 7 Play or 7 Plus last night, but they hadn't put it up yet. But, uh, Loz, did you catch that at all last night? Yeah, I did, Mido. And it was something that we all 
sort of talk about, I suppose, not out in the open, the fact that you're suffering um, some head trauma. Um, and Mario was a player that he was just as tough as anything and was obviously battered around a little bit on the football field. Um, he's now um, you know, suffering some injuries to the to the brain and um, he's not in a good way. And, you know, he's a, he's a guy that... Uh, was very influential in every footy team he, he played in. But, you know, he's telling his story now about, you know, the fact that he, he is suffering and it makes us all think about our own careers and the fact that we've all suffered uh, head knocks playing the game of rugby league, the, the game we, we all love. Um, and, you know, we feel feel for Mario and we feel for his family and, and um, you know, he'll get the treatment and support that, 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 that he needs. But, um, yeah, it's, it's one of these ones, Mido, that's not going to go away. The fact that we play a tough sport, um, you know, rugby league is as tough as they come, players. Um, but, unfortunately, you are going to suffer some, some head injuries along the way. And hopefully they're not too severe. And hopefully you're not as affected as, as Mario and some other players that have come before us uh, down the track. But... Um, it's part of the, the price, I suppose, of playing rugby league, but they're trying to make the game a lot safer, obviously, and they're doing a lot of good work in that space. Uh, but to see poor old Mario there last night, and he had his great mate with him, Jeff Fennick, talk about the challenges that he faces at the moment. Uh, it was pretty difficult to watch, to be fair. Clarky, hero mm. and villain. What have you got for us? Uh, i got no villain this morning. I've got two heroes. Swanee's for an amazing performance and so pumped to see him in the, in, the, in the grand final and fingers crossed they can go on and win the flag. And I got Para as well as a second hero. I thought the Eels were outstanding. Again, a lot of expectation, a lot of pressure this season. Um, their footy's been inconsistent throughout the year, but I thought they were at their best uh, the other night. So they're my two heroes. Loza. Um, villain's an easy one for me because it's the rugby ref. Um who refereed the Bledisloe Cup game. Uh, I thought that decision in the end was very, very ordinary, and it denied the Aussies a chance to win the Bledisloe Cup. So the referee in the Australian-New Zealand rugby game... Just on that, Loz, we were asking the other day, is there a a time rule? Because you looked at all the... Referee's discretion. Just the Wallaby players behind... Foley. Foley was screaming at him to kick the ball. Yeah. So I thought they must have known there's a rule, but Foley did it. Well, I'll, I'll let Loz finish. So I keep going. I'll give my no, take no, no. on it. I was at the game. And I I, I take your point, Clarky, because yeah. the refer- it's a crap decision. Uh, so I'm with Loz there. Absolutely. Yep. yep. But the players behind Foley understood that you don't give this referee an excuse to call that because he probably will. Yeah, okay. So I thought yeah. the Wallabies were quite naive, knowing what that ref was like. All yeah, night. well, that, that was the you thing didn't... that we, we found difficult to understand, mm. you know, on Friday morning was yeah. the fact that the referee must have said something to Foley. All the other players behind Foley knew exactly what was going on because they were screaming at him to get rid of the ball. They were screaming at him and telling him to kick it, and they did it two or three occasions. Yeah. So we just didn't know whether Foley didn't know what was going on or didn't hear the referee or didn't understand the rule. But either way, it was an ordinary decision. But the, some of the players there were aware that this bloke was going to make that decision, and they tried to hurry Foley up. 
Well, Foley kept looking at his forwards who were in the huddle, clearly getting their line out figured out. But honestly, you just don't give the referee... You know what rugby refs are like, especially those ones from the Northern Hemisphere. In fact, it doesn't matter what hemisphere anymore. It was a crap call, considering, you know, obviously the contradiction in rugby, considering the amount of time-wasting there is anyway. For him to call time-wasting at that particular moment is just laughable. But the Wallabies were naive. I watched two Wallabies forwards turn around and salute the crowd after the penalty was given. And I said to the bloke sitting next to me, I said, this game isn't over. There's 90 seconds to go. Have you seen mm. our line out? Like, mm. This game's not over. And it's then, the old adage, isn't it? You oh, played the full 80 minutes. And they didn't. <laughs> no. And then no. and I was actually, I saw the blokes outside Foley going kicking, and I feel exactly the same way. And when the referee called that, I was not shocked at all. Yeah, right. I, I'd all. never seen anything like that before. That was the thing that I was shocked with. But then the next day, well, that night and the next day when you're watching more video of it, you just see those guys in the background just urging him on to kick it. And then you thought, oh, well, these guys know the rule and they've heard the referee. Why hasn't Bernard Foley reacted? But anyway, that, that is my yeah. villain. And my heroes, Mitter, are going to be the crowds that turned out at the SCG and Allianz Stadium on Saturday night. So I just thought both games had unbelievable atmosphere. Um, it came through on the television. Um, the Swannies with 40-odd thousand people there at the SCG getting it done in the last seconds against Collingwood. And then even though South Sydney won by a big margin on Saturday night, geez, the atmosphere there at that stadium. I haven't been there to a live game yet. I want to go to a live game, but it just looks amazing. It sounds amazing. And I reckon everyone that turns up has a wonderful experience and I know we have home finals in rugby league, but I think the more I sort of look at this in particular here in Sydney, I know a lot of people will disagree with that, this, you know, I think we need to take our finals. We're a big enough game now to take our finals to these major stadiums. I agree. I, I don't think yeah. you can have, you know, home semifinals anymore where you play in front of eight or 15,000 people. I think you've got to take it to stadiums mm. 30,000 plus. I think you're right, Laws. You play either at Allianz... Combank. Combank's yes. very much uh, yep. worthy of it. And uh, a core, of course, when yep. when you get to preliminary final stage. Yep. But Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I nearly think out of, out of Sydney clubs as well. I, I think that it's nearly getting back to that stage. I, I know you'll have a lot of disagreement there, but I, I can only go back to the way I felt when I was playing. And I used to love coming to Sydney. It just felt like a big game when you played at that big stadium. And the footy stadium back in the day when it was just new, it was the place to play finals football, the atmosphere that it created, and everyone enjoyed going there. And I think we've got to a stage now where we probably need to look at doing that. Yeah, uh, My heroes, the Swans, uh, I'm unreal. See them back in a grand final. And uh, my villain is, uh, although I absolutely despise the decision of the referee, oh, it's the Wallabies for their naivety at the end of that game there on Thursday night. Now, give us a call for your heroes and villains. We've got Rock Eater on the line. G'day, Rock Eater. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you, boys? Yeah, really well for a Monday. What have you got for us? Uh, my villain this week is the Gaira under-10s and under-16s Premiers. They um, were only a little club, junior league, were only a little club, but uh, to have two sides in the grand final was, and win it was uh, yeah, great to be involved in. You said Gaira, didn't you? Yeah, mate, Gaira, yep. Outstanding. And my villain, I'm a mad, mad shark supporter. 
but they, they let me down on Saturday night, so my villains are the Sharks. Yeah, they were disappointed. Isn't it amazing, uh, Loz, with the Sharks, when you think they had that game just about won the week before and they would have been in a prelim final and now they're out in straight sets. Such are the margins of finals footy. Oh, I, I know, uh, Mido, it's a disappointing if you're a Sharks supporter and a Raiders supporter after their performances on the weekend. But I just now start to think, you know, uh, did we inflate you know, the performances of the Sharks this season and look at it because they finished second. We just thought they were playing real good football because when you look at their draw throughout the year and who they played, there was definitely an advantage there by playing teams outside the top eight. And their record against top eight teams this year, they'd only won four from 11 against teams in the top eight. So the fact that they had that easy draw may have inflated their position somewhat. But I thought at times they played some really good football. Um, and to save their worst for last, that's the disappointing thing if you're a Shark supporter. I mean, it was a really good game the previous week when they played the Cowboys, but they conceded 32 points. And then on the weekend, they conceded 38. But all in all, I think if you're a Sharks fan, you'd be happy with the season that you've had, but you'd be disappointed just with the two performances in the final. Good on you, Rock Eater, and well done to those Gyra juniors as well that you put Just on out. that too, Mid, I want to give a big congratulations out to my old club too, the Junior Diesels, because they haven't got a first-grade side. Uh, but this year, they did win the under-18s yesterday, and they won reserve grade. So congratulations to the Diesels, and hopefully they'll be able to have a first-grade team uh, next year. Their under-16s made the semi-finals, so there's got a, a bit of talent coming through there. Uh, but to win two grades yesterday was a massive achievement for a club that uh, obviously struggled to put a first-grade side out onto the paddock this season. Well, that's good news because a town like yours, Loz, that should be having a first-grade side entrenched in Group 9. So uh, hopefully that, that gets back to its glory. And uh, who'd they beat in the GF, by the way? Hopefully a Wagga team? Uh, they beat Gundigai in... Oh, the Tigers. Um, yeah, they beat, well, they beat Young in the under-18s and in reserve grade they beat Gundigai Tigers. And Gundigai actually won the first grade. Uh, against Young. Uh, pretty big scoreline, I think, towards the end. I think Gundigai have been a dominant team for so long down there in, in Group 9. Um, it, it, it's amazing, uh, Gundigai, because they've had a lot of recent success, but they went through a period there <laughs> where they just couldn't win. They couldn't lost win about nine in a row, didn't they? Something like that. It was something like that. And the last sort of grand final they'd won was when Cliffy Lyons... Uh, played in the team. And actually, Brad Haddon's old man was in the team as well um, when they last won the grand final. So that would have been 1984, 85 maybe. Hmm. Might have been a little bit earlier. Someone will no doubt text in that that knows um, uh, the year they won the premiership with Cliffy Lyons in the team. But then they went through a period, yeah, they won that, you know, couldn't win a game, a grand final. But then all of a sudden, uh, recently, uh, they've won plenty of grand finals. Uh, now we've got uh, Sean. Thanks again, Rock Eater. Sean's on the line. G'day, Sean. Morning, guys. How are we? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Who's the hero? Mate, Loz, you have that right, mate. Every game from now on in the final has to be at that new stadium. Mate, I've been twice. The last yep. game against the Roosters and the final with the Roosters and Rabbits. Mate, the atmosphere is through the roof. Mm. So I think it's big enough now to make it. Home semis. No, this home semi crap has to go. Have everything yep. in Sydney. It's last time I checked it was called the NRL. 
have it in Sydney and then play your grand final at, at Avion's. I mean, sorry, at, um, at home yeah. and be done with it. Can I ask you, Sean, because you, you, yep. you've been, oh, I haven't been with a, with a crowd there, but it just it just comes through the telly. Like, it's just a wonderful atmosphere. The noise stays inside the ground. What, what's the difference if you compared it to, to the old Sydney footy stadium? Chalk and cheese, I mean, is it? Just it's chalk and cheese. It's absolutely deafening. And the sound stays inside it. Yeah. They've done something to... I'm not sure how they've achieved it, but the sound stays within the stadium. It's, it's, it reverberates through the whole place. It's amazing. Yeah, well, it comes across on television sensationally well. Yeah, almost like a coliseum. Is that, is that, yeah, is that, it does. That's amazing now. But anyway, we'll, we'll win again, so it's all good. But the Panthers, no problem. <laughs> Mate, uh, my heroes, I've got two. Has to be Roger Federer. Mate, the, oh, retire at that, that age, 20 grand slams. Such an amazing... Never heard a bad word. Never been any, any controversy involved with him, like I recall. So he's just a legend of the sport. He's my hero. And also to Latrell Mitchell. Now, I saw the last little bit of on the ground where he picked up Nico Hines, gave him the colour and said, mate, it's all good. I thought that was great sportsmanship. Uh, to do that, the young guy to pick another young guy off, off the ground was, was great. Mm. You know the good sign for South as well? Yep. Latrell has been good, and he's had moments of brilliance, but he hasn't been the dominant player. We all say that we need no. Latrell to play like a superstar if South are going to win. Yep. I, I think that's been in South's favour too. They've been able to win a couple of games without him being the, the dominant figure on the park. So that, if I'm a South supporter, you know you've got room for improvement. I think with, with that too, Lars, Cam Murray helped. Him being the, the, first, good player. the, the first receiver. It yeah. helps a lot by him having that, that role now. He didn't have that last year's season. So with him being in the distribution role, it's great. So, mate, we can go, we go all the way. No dwellers. We'll be right. Um, and my villain, mate, hit me with a house brick. Whenever you want the cricket bat, pick something. Mate, I waited all day to back ingratiate the last in, in, in Melbourne. And I didn't back it. I'm, mate, I don't know why I got off it, but I didn't. And... Paid ten bucks. I'm still feeling about it. Even my wife, who doesn't bet, picked up the form guide, looked and goes, "You can back it." He goes, "No." Yes, oh my god, you're an idiot. So, <laughs> mate, I am the villain of all villains. Yeah, there's there's no more frustrating feeling, is there? When you see something, well, yeah, it was what about eight seventy? I think it paid on the tote or something like that. Nearly nine bucks. And uh, yeah, when you like something all day, you don't have a dime on it. You watch it roll past the line, and the graphic comes up. I reckon every pun has done that at some stage. You, know? you, you go to the track, you like something sort of close to the last, mm. and you go, I'll wait and wait and wait. Get caught up talking to someone. Yeah, and you don't put your bet on, oh. and then it salutes, and you're filthy. Or you change your yeah. mind for whatever reason. You like another horse. Oh, that is a frustrating. And you turn around to the person next to you and go, I was going to back that. And they yeah, go, yeah, yeah. rightio, yeah. mate. <laughs> Bet you were. On your champ. <laughs> <laughs> On your way. <laughs> with footy finals fast approaching, it's time to crack open a couple of furfies with your mates and enjoy some unbelievable moments, whether it's bearing witness to a six-beer carry in a crowded pub, fitting five mates onto a three-seater sofa for the game, or actually witnessing footy history unravelling on the screen in front of you. Unbelievable moments pair perfectly with a furphy. Grab a case to share with your mates this footy finals. Uh, text your MotoGP results last night in the GP of Aragon. In uh, MotoGP, Enea Bastianini of Italy uh, won in a thrilling final lap, beat compatriot Francesco Bagnaia, and uh, Aussie Jack Miller's finished fifth. 
So the Italians at the top there. Bastianini winning that Grand Prix in MotoGP. Jack Miller fifth. Andrew, good morning. Morning, gentlemen. How are we? Not too bad. Thanks, mate. Hero and villain. Go for it. Yeah, mate. My hero, I think it's popular this morning, the Swans. Just their effort in that fourth quarter to just dig deep and stay in the game and not, not, not give up. That was pretty impressive. Pretty happy when the siren went. Yeah. They were under, <laughs> siege. They were under siege late. Yeah, couldn't come fast enough. Mm. What about your villain? Um, I'm going to go against Loz here. I think um, as, much, as much as it was a bad decision, Loz, I think Bernard Foley's the villain for just not getting rid of the ball. Yeah. Do, do you know the rules of um, rugby union, Andrew? Because I, I, I don't, and I've, I've sort of no, tried to ask a lot of people a, who was in the right or wrong, and it's sort of split. Yeah. Just the reaction of the players behind him, I think, like, as, as Mido said before, just that says it all. Like, yeah. Everyone else knew, and the ref, I think, and the Kiwis knew, but he didn't, or didn't, didn't want to do it. Oh, I think there's no doubt he was time-wasting. I think there's no doubt there he was trying to run the time down on the clock. But, I, I, yeah, I, I, I understand that because I, you, you look in the background and those players were screaming at Foley to kick it. So they obviously understood the rule or knew what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks, Andrew. I think it was, yeah, I, like I said, Loz, I think it just comes down to the ref's discretion. Yeah. Um, so, but they're supposed to give you a verbal warning that if you don't, I will do this. And, mm. and I, that didn't seem clear in the translation I read. Uh, but, you know, uh, the players behind Foley clearly had a sense of this referee will do this to yeah, us is it not that, if we don't do this. I think everyone's peed off because is, is that not where, as Loz just said, the ref says, mate, rightio, get on with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rather mm. than penalise him. Oh. Yeah, that, that's what you, you'd hope the ref yeah. would do, wouldn't yeah. you? And give you that warning. Listen, get on with it, or this is going to be a penalty. Yeah. yeah. Just have to be clear. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. We find some ways. Oh, for sure. It's <laughs> a new one. <laughs> My God. That was a new one. Yeah, we think rugby league's bad. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that was, one takes the cake. That was hard to beat. No doubt about that. Uh, now, on the text line, stacks of them here. Heroes and villains. Hero, uh, top ranked. It's a superstar. Yes, yeah, good win, wasn't it, on Saturday? Uh, villain, the French referee. We gave the French all that money for the submarine deal, and they do that, <laughs> says Sid. Well, we pulled the money, didn't we? Oh, man. Didn't, no, no, that's right. We oh, Anyway, I, I won't get into politics. Yeah. Oh, just having a look at the NFL laws. I'm seeing uh, San Francisco quarterback Trey Lance being carted off the field in the first quarter. So uh, lucky they kept Jimmy Garoppolo. Looks What's like happened? he'll be going know? on. I just saw him being carted off on uh, the NFL's red zone in our studio here. So uh, Trey Lance, the Niners quarterback, carted off. And that's early in their game against the, the 49ers against the Seahawks. So... Uh, they'll be very, very delighted they kept Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster there. And uh, just some of the results this morning. Uh, Miami, the Dolphins, came from way down. And they've come back and beat the Baltimore Ravens 42-38. to The New York Jets have scored a late touchdown, an extra point to beat the Cleveland Browns 31-30. Detroit beat Washington 36-27. Tom Brady's Tampa Bay, not going away yet. They're 2-0 after a 20-10 win against the Saints in New Orleans. The Giants, 19. The Carolina Panthers, 16. The Patriots beaten Pittsburgh, 17-14. And Jacksonville, 24-0. They've shut out the Indianapolis Colts in some of your results in the NFL so far this morning.
Uh, now, just in the golf as well, Cam Smith is uh, on the verge of winning on the live tour, I believe, this morning. He's three shots up uh, through 11 holes in his final round. So uh, three shots ahead of Peter Ulane. Dustin Johnson is four shots back. Shaved the shark's hair as well, I think. Cam, I think they had a bet. Cam had the Cam won the bet and then gave the shark the mullet. And the shark lost the bet and had to get the mullet shut. Have you seen cut. a picture of this? Uh, yes, yeah, on social media. I couldn't imagine the shark with the a mullet. Shark would be overly happy I, about that. Well, the shark made the bet. Okay, so got to follow through. I think he just yeah, he might have just clipped the sides and. The Mullet's back for the old boy. I've got to see this. <laughs> uh, now, over on the PGA Tour, which is the season opener, uh, Max Homer and Denny Willett leading by one shot. They're both 15 under par, but uh, it's been a great performance from the Aussie Harrison Endicott, who's making his PGA Tour debut. He's seven under for the tournament and tied for 21st, although he's two over through 12 holes in his final round, seeing Aaron Badley's there uh, Finished six under for the tournament, currently tied for 28th. And over on the DP World Tour and the Italian Open overnight, it was won by Scotsman Rob, Robert McIntyre, who beat Matt Fitzpatrick, the Englishman, in a playoff. And Aussie Lucas Herbert finished three shots off the pace to be tied for fifth. In the NRLW yesterday, Brisbane, well, they won't play finals for the first time. After a 28-16 loss to Parramatta, and all these games were at Cosford yesterday. The Roosters beat the Titans 38-12, to and the Knights beat the Dragons 30-8. to So the finals next week will see the Roosters play Parramatta. That's the 1v4 game. And the 2v3 game is the Knights up against the Dragons. Give us a call for your heroes and villains, 13-53-53. Uh, looking ahead to the preliminary finals this week, the markets with Tab has Penrith, a $1.38 favourite. South, $3.10. The line eight and a half, and the Cowboys on Friday night, a dollar seventy against Parramatta, two dollars fifteen, and the line is two and a half. We tab for that one. John, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, mate. Yeah, you got to have a crack at heroes and villains. Go for it. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, heroes, Mario and Rebecca Fennick. That uh, show on TV last night highlighted his struggles was uh, both moving and inspiring, fellas. That uh, it's a topic that uh, is gaining a lot of momentum, isn't it, with, with, in, in sport? Well, Loz, you saw it, and uh, from all reports, it was extremely emotional. Oh, it's very moving, Mido, when you see someone like Mario Fennick go through the battles that he's having at the moment. You know, we know he's a warrior on the field, but, you know, again, he suffered plenty of uh, head trauma while he played. You know, plenty of head knocks, and it's coming back to sort of bite him now, him and his family, and... You know, he's going to have to be in full-time care at some point uh, in in time. And, you know, his family at the moment are talking about how they're losing Mario and, and the effects that it's had on him. And it's just, a, you know, a, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a piece that you watch if you've been involved in any sort of contact sport where you've been, you know, contacted around the head or you've suffered any... Um, concussions throughout your sporting career that you sit back and watch and you think, geez, is that going to be me one day? Um, and you hope not, um, but to see the way they've confronted it, they've spoken about it, 
um, and the reaction of a lot of people this morning will be one of, they wish Mario and his family all the best, but it's something that we need to continually look at and see how we can make all contact sports safer. What yeah. about your villain, John? Uh, look, it, a, a villain of sorts, fellas. Um, I don't understand why the NRL persists in not having a premier designated for the 2009 competition. I, I've always held the belief that Parramatta should be designated the, the premiers of that year. I, I, I might be wrong. I cannot think of any other sport in the world where the first past the post or the the champions or whatever are disqualified for whatever reason, and the runner-up does not take the title. Yeah, I guess I take your point. I mean, this has obviously been discussed, hasn't it, over the years? Uh, if you're a Parramatta fan, though, is that do you want that? Like, do you want a do you want a premiership by default, essentially? Uh, I don't know. I, I think if I was a Parramatta fan, I don't, I don't think I'd want it that way. I think stripped, because I think it's in the records, stripped, isn't it? Premiership stripped. Uh, so just no no premiership awarded. So, yeah. Does, do you have any opinion on this, Pup or Loz? I don't know. I, I think the, that's that's like anything. They become second. If someone is disqualified, it has to go to you. Like you see it in every other sport. Mm. So I understand that. So hollow though, isn't oh, it? I'm, yeah, whether Parrot's going to accept it or not, but I just think that's the way it is in sport. I think if, you know, uh, Formula One, whoever wins is disqualified, what happens? Yeah. Well, I guess it's the same in racing as well. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Mm. I, whether the fans, are, you know, of course it would feel different to actually winning, mm. of course, but yeah, I, I can understand the argument that, that that's just what should happen. That's why you're second instead of third. Good on you, John. Thanks for the call. We've got chicken chow. Morning, chicken. G'day, Meadow. Clarky, Loz. Hey, buddy. Hey, mate. Um, heroes and villains. Hero, uh, Latrell Mitchell, just a superstar. He's catching a pass. It's the best I've seen. He's, he's, the, best, he's the best player in the comp. Um, that's what I reckon, anyway. Um, and, hey, you know, remember that horse, um, Chocolat? Uh, Chocolat? Yeah, the, the Bjorn Baker one. Uh, yeah. yeah, vaguely. It was a bit of a stayer, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, good name, Chocolat. Well, there should be a new horse named after Michael Clark called Flog Alert. And you want to know why? <laughs> oh. Why? Mate, when you go to a bottle shop, right, and you buy a big expensive bottle of Dog Perry on, mate, you buy a you get into a brown paper bag, you flog. Mate, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't buy it. You flog. I got it off my boat, so I didn't go to the shop and buy it. You flog. That's, that's even more of a flog. <laughs> mate, wake up yourself, mate, chicken. Mate. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Stop googling me as well. Oh dear. Sorry, mate. I'm a bit tired. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start sucking up now. Yeah, <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> no. Oh, dear. I think I went back to Mudgee last night. Real late. And, uh, what was up at Mudgee? I was working. I was doing a bit of tiling up there. And then... Um, Did yeah, you get around? Yeah, he's busy. Oh, I do. He's busy, I do. Loz. I do. You, you will travel. <laughs> the, the, 
that these designers, mate, they made me wear these chevron tiles. Oh, they're <laughs> awful. I nearly had a heart attack. Anyway. Chicken, you got to come look at my my roof. i got a leak in my roof. Uh, I'm not a roof tiler, mate. That's mate, you are. I've seen you. I can, I've seen a lot of things that you can do. You can definitely nah, fix nah. my roof. I can't. You I can. Can't. Did I tell you that yarn yeah, when I laid these tiles upside down, man? <laughs> man, I couldn't believe it. I laid six of these monster metre-by-metre metre tiles, and the owner turned up and goes, mate, they're upside down. I said, no, I couldn't it. couldn't believe it. <laughs> 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 the water, these glimmer wife comes out, and I'm like, oh, fill me hair and that. And she's like, get me, they're upside down. I said, oh, shit. Anyway, I said, Anyway, now I've got a chicken chow. Glad we could fit you in today, chicken chow. Oh, chicken. <laughs> uh, Why does that not surprise me? That oh. laid them upside down? Laid them upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, what have we got here on the text line? Morning, lads. Hero, call sign Mav, villain J-Mac and Zoo gotcha. Knock me out of a multi. I had Madame Pomery. Would have been a huge weekend if she would have got up. Cheers, Shannon. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, Zoo Tiger certainly had to, or Zoo Gotcha, sorry, certainly had to pull out all stops. Looked just about gone there at one stage in the straight. That was a great win in the end. Dug deep. Um, also here, Hero Paul Gallon. Uh, uh, the absolute will to win of the bloke is incredible. Perfect example of hard work and refusal to give in. Taking you a long way in sport. Villain, the French ref the other night. He's now overtaken the ref who gave uh, Junior Tiger a red card earlier this year in his first in his final first 15 game on the uppity. It's all about the rankings of rugby refs, says Tiger Marty. And we've got uh, Jeffrey. Jeff, morning. G'day, boys. How are we? Going well, buddy. How are you? Weekend. Uh, nice pretty weekend. good. Pretty chilled. Yeah, pretty good. Enjoyed the sunshine. Put it that way. Guys, I don't have any heroes and villains. But I've just got one thing. I want to ask three of you all three separate questions. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm nervous. Shut up, Loz. <laughs> Jared? Yes. How many winners have you ridden? Absolutely zero. Don't ever talk about horse racing again. Clarky? You can see where this is going. Yes, buddy. Clarky, um, you play darts? I don't play darts, no. Don't ever talk about darts. Yep. Loz? <laughs> yes. You play squash? Never played squash. I never talk about squash. So my point is, you've got no right to talk about anything other than what you've done. Okay? Yes. So, yes, yes, Jeff Rowe. By the way, yes. I thought you handled yourself. You don't need any support from me, but I thought you handled yourself beautifully last week. Yet <laughs> Thank again. you, buddy. Thank you. Mate, um, just want to talk on a serious note. How sad was it last night with um, Mario Fennick and his wife? I mean, we talk about heroes. His wife, and I'm, I'm sure there are other families going through the same thing, but she was just incredible. I don't know if you guys saw it, but she's his carer. She was shaving him, and it was just so, so sad. Mm. And what was yeah. more sad, what was even sadder was the fact that from what we hear, and I'm just paraphrasing what she said, she, they haven't heard from anyone from the ARL, and I just think it's terrible. Do we do enough for players that have played the game for so long? Do we mm. give them enough support as a game? And it was just, honestly, I had tears in my eyes. It was just terrible. Mm. Just 
watching that and what she, what she was going through in the family was just terrible. Yeah, it, it was. And to see it last night, and, you know, Maria played the game as tough as anyone has ever played it, and we know what type of competitor he was. But to see someone, anyone, regardless of whether you've been a football player or, or you know, not even a someone that's in the public eye, to go through that and to see how this family support them. Uh, but he's a very young man, Mario. He's only 60. And to be dealing with what he's dealing with at the moment, he said he wakes up every morning, he's frustrated. Um, he still goes to the home games of South Sydney, but his memory is not as sharp as what it was once was. He's, he's really battling, he's, he's struggling. Um, and you feel for anyone that's been you know, been through it and, and he's going through it because what else can you do other than support them? Mm. Um, Loss, does the NRL have something set up for, you know, uh, whether it's injuries or past players in general? Because we see in sport now there's more money in the game, in all sport. But do people that have come and gone through that sport, do they get any piece of that? Like I know in cricket there is a fund where um, past players do get uh, recognised and, and, and paid. I think, I think I, it must, yeah. must be like a, a 10-year once you retire or, or something like that. But with injured players, does the NRL have that? Uh, look, mate, I, I'm unsure. But one thing I do know, like all Australians, they do rally around. Our sport will rally around if, if people are doing it tough and they know about people's situations. I, I, I think like anything, uh, when people are doing it tough, people start to support. Mm. And when they know about certain situations... Mm. Um, they will get in and do as much as they possibly can. And I'm sure, I'm unsure of whether the league actually have that type of yeah, okay. fund at their disposal, but I know that, you know, if Mario needs that help and needs that support, then, you know, not only uh, will the NRL help, but I'm sure the clubs that Mario has played with would certainly yeah. help support him as well. Adam Pengilly, good morning. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys, and welcome back, Mido. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, glad that these two didn't knife me. Oh, a couple of times. Oh, hang on. <laughs> a couple of times, a couple of times. Ah, thick as thieves. We did it nicely, though, Mido. Yeah, yeah. oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. There's a nice way and a bad way of smiling someone. Yeah. Oh, good work. Now, little birdie tells me yeah. you were honoured on uh, Friday, uh, Pengilly. Uh, yes, yeah. Come on, uh, pup, tell us the story. No, not for me to tell. It's for Adam to tell. Mm. I saw the great man at, we had a, a Western Suburbs function at, at West Ashfield. And, um, yeah, Adam received something that he certainly deserved. Put it that way. What was it? Uh, Jared Adam made some presentations for some uh, former first grade cricketers at West. So mm. it was a great honour to receive the cup, especially from Clarkey. And, um, yeah, it was a really great afternoon. It was fantastic to have Clarkey there as the, the guest of honour. And, I'll remember my uh, first grade cap number at Western Suburbs yeah. now. So, yeah, we had, we had a great day. It was a fantastic afternoon, and Clarkie can, can attest to that. Good turnout. They put it on um, out of respect for the great Alan Davidson, and his wife was there, but he was there. And uh, as good, I think it was 260 people or 280 people. Uh, Tim Sheens was there. I went and said hello to Tim Sheens, Roycey Simmons, um, and just a yeah, good group of. Uh, current and past Western Suburbs cricketers. Can as I well, ask so. when you spoke to Sheenzy, yes, um, how long did he speak for? 
Uh, I was over there for about maybe 15 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say. That's, that's a short convo with Shirzy. <laughs> we didn't speak much cricket, put it that way. <laughs> I lost his line, Clarky, on stage when he was asked about how the Tigers would go next year. And he said, well, guess what? We can't go worse than what we did this year. And, and, and then he goes, my wife's actually an accountant. And she reminded me saying we, we, we could because it was the 17th team in the competition. Next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I'm glad. Can I have a sense of you? I hope she's wrong. <laughs> I'm glad you were honoured, particularly after Clarky ruined your career. Oh, please. So. No, that's only jokes, Jared. <laughs> uh, what a day's racing it was. And Enemo, what a horse he is. Supreme in the George Main Stakes. But, gee, what a story to come out of it. Three out of five lame. But uh, James Cummings spoke yesterday on the Big Sports Breakfast weekend and all signs seem to be positive that he can continue his campaign towards yeah, the Cox Plate. That's right, Jerry. There would have been a lot of concern when he left the racetrack at Randwick there on the weekend. But obviously, James um, has had a chance to look at him yesterday. And the good news is he seems to have improved a fair bit. What that means for the rest of his campaign, uh, we're not sure yet. Hopefully, he's still on track for, say, a clock's plate later in the spring. But they'll take no risk with him, given how much uh, how much of a valuable stallion he is to, to the Godolphin Empire in the coming years. But what a supreme horse. He was fantastic again there on the weekend and probably written a little, written a little bit outside his pattern, to be fair, with a lack of speed on the race. Jane, Jane Mack had to go forward and, and sit outside the leader, but you just see that last 100 metres when he really got into his work. He was far too good for that field. I want to give a big wrap to Ice Bath as well, Jared. She was entered for an easier race at Newcastle on Friday. They could have taken the easy option. They didn't. They took on the Group 1. I think that was her fifth Group 1 placing in her career. She's just been an outstanding mare for such a long time. I think hinged on track for a, for a nice race at some stage throughout her campaign. Montefilia was good, and uh, Fangirl and Juarez were probably got pass marks as well, but take nothing away from Animo. Was that his fifth group one, I think, there on the weekend? Fifth or sixth? Anyway, he's well on his way to becoming a, a really serious horse in the annals of Australian racing history. Let's hope he can get over this lameness issue pretty quickly. What did you make of nature stripping the shorts and some of the un- other runners that'll participate in the uh, the Everest? Well, was there a way they can beat him in the Everest? Because as it stands at the moment... He's got this race at his absolute mercy. I thought he might have been a little bit vulnerable there first up, coming back from the UK in the shorts, but he was just far too good for them. Again, that little tendency to step a little bit slow out of the barriers might be his undoing in a big race. And, and I know when it gets to the Everest, I think Chris Waller and James McDonald will want to draw wide. They don't want him to draw barrier one or two in an Everest. If he steps a little bit slow, a couple of these jockeys would come across and really put him into an awkward position. But there on the weekend... Nothing really put too much pressure on him in the first couple hundred metres. And again, we just, he just showed what a class act he is under Chris Waller now. Like, Chris has been working on this horse for well, the best part of two or three years now to try and make him the, the furnished article and the complete, the complete uh, project. And, and, and he is. Like, the way he was able to set off, set off the speed there with Eduardo and then ease across his heels and just put them away was, was a great testament to his ability. So uh, he's about, what, $2.10 now, Jared, for the average yeah. at this stage. Um, I can't see too much really troubling at the moment. The barrier draw obviously play a large part, but that was his final tune-up run. And provided he turns up 100% on, on game day, he's going to be extremely hard to beat. And also to come out of the shorts, well, Hugh Bowman suspended for dropping his hands there late on lost and running. What did you make of this? And he's going to appeal, isn't he? Yeah, he will, Jared. So he's going to miss the Golden Rose as it stands this week. I, I must admit, I thought it was harsh, to be fair, the, the, the penalty. And Hugh did plead guilty. So maybe the stewards are sort of backed into a corner, but... I've watched the replay numerous times now, and I think it's probably fair to say he did drop his hands maybe half a stride before the finishing post. It was only a narrow margin with overpass there for second, but really, I, I don't think it would have made a difference, to be honest, in the overall result. Like the, 
both those horses had the momentum going to the line. Whether Huey, you know, pushed out that final half a stride or not, he might not even been able to because the horse was was lifting his head. It was virtually just a bob of the head to second, and overpass was getting his head down at the right time. So Huey will obviously try and uh, fight that suspension and hopefully get a reduction on, on the penalty. But as it stands at the moment, he's going to miss Golden Rose Day, and um, it's a pretty severe price to pay for what was a, a momentary lapse in concentration. What did you make of Top Rank's performance? Yeah, he's a serious horse, Loz. He's a serious horse. Uh, first up there on the weekend at 1,400 metres. A race has only had a small field. They went along a pretty decent clip, so it might have played into his hands a little bit. But um, I tell you what, there's a good race of him at some stage throughout the carnival. He only had a limited amount of starts in Australia so far. I remember him coming off the plane. He was first up in the Hunter, wasn't he, last spring? And he ran a really bold race behind Lost and Running. He only had the one start in the autumn and obviously got him right for the spring now. And he was fantastic there on the weekend. Watch out. I think there's a group one in him at some stage, whether it's this spring or in the autumn next year. I think Annabelle Nation and the Australian Bloodstock boys have a really nice horse on their hands. Thank you, Adam. See you, boys.